The cancer journey is unique for everyone. It's time to figure out our new normal, and there's no one-size-fits-all manual. Welcome to Unspoken Cancer Truths with Jen Cochran, because surviving is just the beginning. Welcome to Episode 42 of Unspoken Cancer Truths. I'm your host, Jen Cochran. Last week, I talked about lymphedema, what the heck a lymphatic system is, what lymphedema is, who may be at risk for developing lymphedema, and some facts and fiction surrounding this often misunderstood topic. As I wrapped last week's episode, I felt like we had only scratched the surface. As we move into the holiday season and the podcast starts to feature more movement, I wanted to round out our lymphedema topic this week with some actionable steps and a couple additional facts for you to take away. I am super passionate about this topic, and I really believe that all patients who have one or more lymph nodes removed during surgery or who have radiation on any of their lymphatic area should really receive regular screenings for lymphedema. And as the Lymphedema Action Network pointed out, 20 to 40% of breast cancer survivors may develop lymphedema within the first five years following treatment. I've heard of people 20 years out who have developed it. Once those lymph nodes are removed or damaged, we are at risk forever. And there's no shame in that. It is just a fact. In an ideal world, screening would start with getting a baseline before surgery or radiation treatments begin. By having a baseline, we know what everything looks like before treatment. Basically, we know what your normal is. And it is totally normal for there to be a difference in volume or size of arms or legs one side to the other. No one is perfectly symmetrical. And we all have dominant limbs, and that dominant side may be a few percentage points different from the non-dominant side before any changes occur. For me, I'm right-handed, and my left arm is my affected side. Therefore, if my left side is larger than my right, there is a pretty good chance that the difference is indicating lymphedema. Now, I have a client who I began working with recently, and she's a 14-year survivor. She had 28 lymph nodes removed. In last week's episode, I said an average would be 20 to 30 total in that area. Back when she had surgery, they took all the lymph nodes on the affected side. She'd been very fortunate up until now to not have really significant issues. She's also right-handed, and her right side is her affected side. Had she gotten a baseline before surgery, we might know what percentage that right arm may normally be larger than the left because it's the arm she uses for more activities. So if she shows a 7% difference today, it might really only be indicative of 4 or 5% attributed to lymphedema. And that's a pretty big difference. It is my crusade to have people get baseline measurements before surgery or treatment starts. Until that day comes, just know you can go at any time, even years out from surgery. 
Whether you're experiencing that feeling of heaviness in the affected side or having mobility issues that might possibly be being caused by axillary cording, it may be as simple as getting measured every three months, six months, or annually just to check for changes. It really depends where you are in your cancer treatment story. The closer you are to surgery, the more frequently we're going to do measurements just to see if any changes are happening, especially as you get moving again and as you get back more into your regular routine. The further away you get from surgery and treatment, the further out we schedule your appointments. Annual checks might be all that you need, unless you start to feel symptomatic and then you can always see that person that you've got a relationship with. So our first lymphedema fact of the day is that the sooner you are diagnosed, the easier it is to manage long-term and prevent a more serious condition. Remember from last week, if the swelling is visibly noticeable, you may be at 10% or greater, and reversing the process or keeping it to a low-level management may be more difficult. My client that I mentioned above has been measured and treated in the past. At the time that we started working together, her sleeve was three years old, and she wore it mostly for flying. And that brings us to the second fact of the day. Compression garments of any kind need to be replaced a minimum of every six months. For clients who come into my practice and are skeptical, I show them a series of my sleeves fresh out of the wash and how the oldest is the biggest and then they get smaller down to the newer ones. Basically, the material just stretches over time and becomes less effective. I do use some of my older sleeves on days where the weather may not be great or my arm feels heavy and I just need a low level of support. For exercise, I always wear my newest, most compressive sleeves. The lymphatic system works in concert with your circulatory system. And if you're working your muscles and working your heart, wearing a sleeve keeps those systems working better together. Fact number three. If you have even a low grade of lymphedema, you should wear your compression garment during exercise. It may take some getting used to. In the long run, it will keep the swelling and the size of your arm down, which is the goal of managing lymphedema. Many athletes use sports compression sleeves on arms, feet, and lower leg to warm the muscles and improve performance. Think of wearing your compression garments like that, improving how you move. Fact number four. While compression garments may look like an ace bandage, they actually work the exact opposite. One cannot be replaced with the other. An ace bandage keeps compression at rest and allows for more mobility during work. Compression garments provide compression during work, helping to keep the fluids moving through the area being compressed. By not allowing fluid to pool and by reducing swelling during and following exercise. They're made with a flat knit compression material that keeps a constant, consistent pressure during work. Being fitted by a professional certified lymphedema therapist or a CLT, 
is important to make sure that you have the right fit. There are off-the-shelf sleeves, gloves, socks, and stockings. And there are custom fit garments for people whose measurements just don't fit in the -the off-the-shelf sizes. Unfortunately, these garments can be costly. Which brings me to fact number five, managing the cost of compression garments. When you need to replace garments every six months and you get, say, three at a time to rotate them, keeping the cost reasonable is a real concern. Custom fit garments can run hundreds of dollars for just one. One friend of mine was recently putting off replacing her sleeve because it was going to be $500 for the appointment and one custom sleeve. I know an amazing local CLT, and she believes 100% that everyone should wear custom garments. And I believe that compliance in replacing them and wearing them regularly is more important. So if my client's measurements fit into an off-the-shelf option, then that works just fine at a fifth or less of the cost. That said, if you pay out of pocket, it can get costly really quick. For cancer survivors who have developed lymphedema as a result of cancer treatment, it is currently a legal requirement for insurance companies in the U.S. to cover garments for lymphedema. Even given that fact, I fight the same battle every six months. I call the only national company my insurance company works with who carries arm sleeves. Everyone carries compression stockings. Not everyone carries sleeves or the garments needed to manage lymphedema. I place my order. They mishandle my order. The insurance company rejects the order. The company then cancels my order. I call the insurance company. They intervene on my behalf because um, it's the law and they have to cover it. The whole process takes about three months or so to sort it all out, which requires a lot of work on my part. This is not true of all insurance company-based providers. The last time the client I mentioned earlier ordered sleeves through her insurance company's provider, she ordered on a Monday. I confirmed her diagnosis and provided my supporting clinical notes to them on Tuesday. She had her sleeves and gloves on Friday. That's how it should be. Unfortunately, my insurance company cannot seem to get it together to have a provider that actually does the right things and processes these orders in an expedient manner. As I mentioned above, cost is a consideration, and here's yet another reason why we need better medical cost structures put in place. If I were to purchase the -the off-the-shelf sleeves that I wear, I could get them from an online compression garment retailer for $67. If I go to the local compounding center and they order the same sleeve for me, it's $87. Neither paid for by my insurance because they're both considered out-of-network. And if I go through my insurance, depending on where I am with my deductible, the insurance company is charged $131. Now, the last time I ordered my sleeves in May, I paid a total of $13 and change for the three sleeves that I ordered because we had hit our out-of-pocket costs for the year. 
I got three sleeves. The insurance company was charged $393 minus my $13 and change. The same sleeve, three different costs, none particularly affordable for something that needs to be replaced a minimum of twice a year to prevent the worsening of a condition that can ultimately become disabling. Seriously, it seems like it would be in everyone's best interest if this process was a bit easier to remain compliant and be up-to-date with well-functioning garments. This brings me to fact number six, compliance. Compliance in managing lymphedema is a huge challenge. Between the misinformation about who is at risk for lymphedema in the first place, the cost of garments, the difficulty in navigating placing orders that are covered by insurance, and in some cases, the perceived feeling that there is a stigma to having lymphedema or that you did something wrong to cause it in the first place. Compliance can be a real challenging issue. A couple of summers ago, my husband and I were at the outlet mall near our home. It was 100 degrees with high summertime humidity. So before we left the house, I put on my compression sleeve and glove because I know that heat and humidity are triggers for my hand and arm to swell. As I was checking out at one of the stores, the lady ringing up my order very quietly said, do you have lymphedema? I said, yes, I do. Then she said, are you, are you a breast cancer survivor? And I said, yes, I am. Then she got even quieter. And she said to me, I also have lymphedema, but I don't wear my sleeve. I don't want people to know. And I get that. I feel like by not talking about this topic and not normalizing that one or two out of every five breast cancer survivors will be diagnosed with this condition in the first five years after treatment, and possibly even more years later, we make the subject more taboo. I've heard doctors and PTs say, well, only 5% of breast cancer survivors get lymphedema. And I have to be honest, I have not figured out where that 5% number is coming from, because it is simply not true. And we need to increase the research and education on this topic and normalize that this condition is a thing that may happen and it is nobody's fault. In this lady's case, she commented that she has to do physical work, lifting boxes and doing things that she knows that aggravate the condition. Yet her fear of the stigma overrides her desire to actively manage her condition, which will ultimately get worse if not cared for. That's the reality of lymphedema. If it starts and remains untreated, it will progressively get worse. And in some cases, I know people who did not have an issue and some treatment or like me, a side effect of a treatment caused the start of their lymphedema or caused it to progress really rapidly. By having a CLT that you check in with annually or more often, depending on where you are in your cancer treatment story, you'll already be ahead of the game if you experience an issue. For my 14-year survivor, 
She's a small person. And she was really surprised to find when we started doing her measurements this summer that she had a 7 to 10% difference in the volume of her arms. She had been feeling the heaviness and the restriction of mobility as she lifted that arm, but had discounted the potential severity. Now that she knows, she's able to take action to reduce the difference in size between the arms through wearing updated garments and doing some self-massage techniques. And that brings me to fact number seven for today. Massage therapy. Not all lymphatic drainage massage is appropriate for lymphedema. Unless a massage therapist has gotten training on complete lymphatic drainage techniques, decongestive drainage techniques, specifically related to treating lymphedema, I would be very cautious about the type of massage you receive from them. Many therapists say they do lymphatic drainage, but there's a big difference in how you do lymphatic drainage on a healthy, unimpaired lymphatic system versus one that is impaired from surgery or injury or scar tissue or radiation. So definitely exercise caution. And before I forget, should you wear a compression sleeve when flying? So here's the deal. If you don't have any symptoms of lymphedema, then you probably don't need to wear a sleeve. If you notice heaviness in your arm that sort of comes and goes with varying weather or that seems more problematic when a front is coming through, basically, if that affected area can now predict the weather within a 24 or 48 hour time frame, or you're actively managing lymphedema, then the answer is yes. Yes, you do want to wear a compression garment when flying. The air pressure changes that occur on a plane are very similar to those that happen as the weather is changing. And if you're hauling around bags at the airport, try to keep them on the opposite shoulder if you have an arm that's affected. um, Or pull them with the opposite arm to reduce the load on your affected side. That's always a good practice. That brings me to the end of another episode. It seems so crazy how fast we are speeding toward the holiday season. And between Thanksgiving here in the United States and the new year, our upcoming December 2020 episodes are going to be focused on getting moving, featuring survivor stories and organizations with activities or partnerships to help survivors find their feet again. Or in some cases, their paddles or rackets to improve physical and mental well-being through exercise. I know for me, kayaking has been amazing for my lymphedema, and I have another friend who got me back into paddling, which has been super beneficial for me, and I'm really grateful. So hopefully we can expose you to some new ideas and kind of get you thinking about ways to get creative, about moving in different ways. One of my favorite things about working with my clients is helping them navigate the types of movement that are really sustainable for them. If you don't like it, it's not going to be sustainable. Period. End of discussion. In the Facebook group, Surviving is Just the Beginning, I'll be running a challenge during the month of December to get people out and exploring different types of exercise, from going on a walk with a friend, socially distanced, of course, to trying pickleball or taking a virtual yoga class. 
If you're not a member already, come on over to the Facebook group, Surviving is Just the Beginning, and join the conversation today. Next week is Thanksgiving here in the United States. The podcast will not have a new episode while our team is enjoying some family downtime. To celebrate everyone in this community and the members of the Fitness Design Solutions community, I'm teaching a 90-minute Pilates and Yoga Fusion class with an extended Shavasana relaxation live on Friday, November 27th at 10 a.m. Eastern. If you want to join the class or get access to the replay, you'll need to request the link in the Facebook group, Surviving is Just the Beginning, or by visiting the resources listed under episode 42 at unspokencancertruths.com, where you can join the class list. If there are other ways I can support you as we move into this holiday season, which is sure to be a little strange, please let me know. From the Facebook group, you can schedule a time to chat with me as well. Stay safe out there. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great week. And I hope to see you in class on the 27th.